The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Well, good morning to you. Fall is definitely in the air. Freeze is definitely in the air, too. I hope you've uh, covered the plants for the past two days. Hope you've left the uh, water faucets dripping, that you drained all the water out of the hose pipes and things of that sort. If you didn't, you could be having some problems. And uh, I I bet you've had a lot of call, Mitchell, at the Ag Center about people who've had problems. Uh, Good morning, Bart. Well, there, you know, people always have problems i guess <laughs> so of, of one sort or another and they do change from one season to the next and and with uh, you know the advent of fall and the cool temperatures that brings on another you know set of uh, uh challenges i guess and one of one of those that has been uh, fairly frequently asked about i guess after this cool spell uh or as we transition from summer into fall is uh you know the, the they have stink bugs uh around the house and want to get in the house those brown marmorated stink bugs uh they look for a place to spend the winter and and typically homes are are good places but alternatives include you know storage sheds and garages and so on so that's that's been a fairly common one thus far this fall by the way mitchell moat is our guest today from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. You still have uh, one or two more uh, Fridays and Tuesdays? Uh, through, uh, it's Farmer's Market, uh, is what I assume you're talking about yeah. there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, it'll be through the last Friday uh, of the month. So, okay, so we've got another week or so. Got another week or so, yeah. So make it a point to go to those. Those have been even more popular than ever this year. Well, folks, uh, uh, folks have been, you know, faithful uh, uh, patrons of the farmer's market for a long time. Let's talk a little more about the stink bugs, because uh, we've had some people mentioning those the other day. Uh, in fact, some folks said that they were driving down the street and they thought they saw one on their car window. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. So uh, I guess I was trying to figure out how do I get in there with you? Or <laughs> yeah, again, there uh, you know it, it, it's so stink. We've had stink bugs forever, uh, as far as I know, and you know this this one is is called a brown marmorated stink bug, and you know that's a big name. I mean, it's it's a brown stink bug. It looks just like any other stink bugs. They're just brown and got uh, a few little lighter colored markings on the uh, on, on the, the, the the top side on the back of the bug itself, and they. Uh, um, you know they're, they 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 spend the winter in cavities and so on and it's a it's an introduced pest it's not native here uh, to to us in Tennessee does it or in the United its, States uh, it, it, it has the odor I mean it's called a stink <laughs> bug for a reason um, it just you know if you, if you crush it uh, you get the odor out of it and when that's that's a natural defense I think is to secrete uh, whatever the substance is that causes you know that, that gives you that gives it its unique smell its unique aroma. <laughs> I like and, that. And it's so, unique. yeah, it's unique. It's it's pretty. Uh, uh, it, I don't know of many things that smell like a stink bug other than another stink bug, I guess. Well, now you mentioned it's trying to get into the house or wherever to stay yeah, warm. Yeah, spend the winter. It's I mean, they they uh, you know they overwinter as adults. They 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 and and they can live. Uh, they're kind of like the ladybugs. They can live uh, multiple years. That that same bug can. So, they they look for a place to spend the winter. So typically, what happens is as 
summer uh, progresses into the into fall and days start to get a little shorter and you know temperatures cool off then that that triggers uh, the uh, uh, the mechanism in them to think okay I've got to find a place to spend the winter and so they start you know moving you know they're, they're plant feeders so they start moving from the, the exterior vegetation uh, out there in the world in the woods and the crop fields and the landscapes and gardens and so on into uh, places to spend the winter and, and uh, you know homes and garages and shop buildings and storage sheds and so on make good places for them to do that and they will you know accumulate uh, sometimes in large numbers on the exterior walls uh, as, as they you know look for places uh, to move in <clears throat> and then you know at some point you'll say well I don't see them so much anymore and they have kind of figured out where they're going to go for the winter and they sort of settle down and you don't see them much until uh, next spring when it starts to transition from winter into spring and the, the weather starts warming up a little bit so these same bugs that have been spending the winter you know inside these protected spaces they start coming out so it folks say well I get two flushes I get a flush in the fall I get a flush in the spring you know two different populations but it's not it's all the same population they're just you know, in, in one instance, they're coming in, and the next instance, they're trying to get back out again. Now, you mentioned the ladybugs. We haven't heard that, or at least I haven't heard that much about them this year. I haven't seen or heard a whole lot out of ladybugs. And, you know, they're typically cyclical uh, populations are. Uh, and, and, you know, specifically referring to what's called the multicolored Asian lady beetle. And folks say, well, those are different than, uh, than our ladybugs. You're not ladybugs. Well, they are. They're ladybugs. And they are... I guess give the devil their due. They are beneficial insects from the standpoint that they do feed on, uh, uh, you know, plant uh, damaging pests like aphids, for example. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, when you've got a good aphid population, uh, then you typically will see a large ladybug population. And 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 those uh, uh, those multicolored Asian lady beetles are kind of like the the brown marmorated stink bugs. They're cavity. Uh, they like to spend the winter in cavities inside protected spaces, so they'll they'll move inside homes and whatnot. But haven't haven't had much call about ladybugs this year. Now there have been some years it was I guess uh, the the uh, uh, the correct term or an appropriate term would be to say that we had a spectacular. Uh, fall migration of <laughs> ladybugs i mean folks would you know be calling in and send pictures of them all over the sides of their homes and a uh, gentleman one time said i can't even drink coffee because of darn ladybugs you know getting in my coffee cup and whatnot so it's uh it's you know one one thing or another i guess always there's some kind of challenge like yeah spe that. spectacular emergence or a spectacular migration and I, and I say migration i mean it's not like they're moving from one part of the world to the other. they're just moving from the outside yeah. to the inside that's that's the migration we have a person here who sent us a text and they're asking us uh, they're wanting to do some gardening uh come spring and how soon can they get that started? Uh, they've got spring fever already, it sounds Boy, like. Haven't even haven't even gotten through fall yet and have spring fever. Well, I mean, you can start today. Uh, <clears throat> and again, it depends on what you want to do when you say spring gardening. Um, how soon can you start spring gardening? Well, I mean, are we talking about vegetable gardening? Are you talking ornamental gardening? Whatever the case, I, I don't know. I don't know so, that so, so we don't know that either. But uh, for both, I mean, you, you can start today. You know, for example, if you want to do 
spring gardening, uh, vegetable gardening. Uh, if you want to do raised beds, you can start building the beds and, and start constructing those and get the beds laid out, uh, get them built, <coughs> and fill them with a growing media. Uh, I mean, that all has to be done. So, gosh, we've got great sunshine. It's good working conditions outside. You're not going to get hot and sweaty. Uh, this is a great time of year to be doing that. If if you're talking about vegetable gardening in the uh, you know the conventional sense where you're doing you know gardening in native soil doing soil prep on that well you can you know you can do some things now to improve the ground uh, you know to make it uh, a better place to grow vegetables uh, in the coming spring uh, you can add soil amendments to it you know work some compost uh, or other organic materials into the soil to help improve just the structure of the ground the the, the ability for it to uh, for water to move through it uh, for it to to work to till you know improve the tilth is a term that's used to describe the workability uh, of that soil itself um you know if you've got a, a a conventional garden flat ground native dirt soil garden uh put a cover crop on it right now it's not too late it's getting kind of late to be planting those things but you know planting some crimson clover uh on there that's that's a legume it'll grow during the cool weather months it'll make a real pretty red flower come spring and all the bees and other pollinating critters like that pretty good or lots of them do so you got a pretty picture out there plus it's a legume it fixes nitrogen out of the out of the atmosphere into the soil to make it available for plants to use later on in the season uh, and then you work that into the uh, uh, you work that into the garden you know come springtime and you're adding that organic matter you're improving the soil so you know you can certainly be doing things like that now uh, other other cover crops you know it could be you know more of a grass like a uh, like maybe some some wheat and vetch vetch is another uh, uh, is another legume uh, and it can be well often planted in combination with wheat or ryegrass because um, uh, the, the the grass the wheat the ryegrass that's there to add just a lot of organic material and mass and plus it provides a a uh, uh, a support if you will for the veg it tends to want to to vine out lay down flat but if you plant it with those grasses uh, then they'll grow up on there and you know it, it will stand up better uh, in the garden and it makes it easier to work in you know come in spring versus all being matted up on the ground like that um from, from a, a, a ornamental garden standpoint you know uh it bulbs you know spring flowering bulbs uh now's a great time to prepare a bed to plant those um you can do uh, in existing uh, beds, you know, your perennial flowers that are going to uh, th th start growing in the spring of the year, you know, peonies, for example, uh, or, or iris, things like that. You know, if you haven't done it yet, cut those back. Uh, you know, for, we've had a few heavy frosts. Uh, they're not growing anymore. A lot of vegetation is dying back now, so cut those off. You know, prune them back, get them cleaned out, and get rid of any, you know, disease, plant tissue. Uh, we had leaf spots on the old leaves and so on. Get them out of the bed. That just helps to diminish the amount of um you know d disease inoculation inoculum that's in the ground there uh, that you're leaving uh leaving in the, f the bed itself because you know if an infected leaf will it's infected with something so you, you get it away so that uh, you know that the, the disease load will not be as heavy next spring when things start growing again i mean it's all sick little the stuff's out there in the environment you're just trying to minimize it uh to an extent um you know fertilize uh, uh, those fall uh, or fertilize the perennials you know fall is a good time to do that using just uh, uh fairly um uh, low uh, fertility not low, low fertility but low analysis fertilizer uh, you know bone meal is a, is a good choice there uh, maybe an organic fertilizer with uh, uh, this got you know fairly low quantities of NP and K in there that wouldn't be a bad choice to use um, 
in in existing flower beds, uh, 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 shrub beds, and so on, you know, using a pre-emerge product right now uh, will certainly uh, cut down on the amount of uh, uh, winter annual weeds you have to pull come springtime. Uh, things like chickweed and henbit and purple dead nettle; those are winter annuals. They're starting to germinate now. There, uh, many cases, uh, depending if they're in a protected area where it was a little bit cooler and damper uh, earlier in the uh, in the fall period. You know, they're already up and growing. A lot of places they haven't started growing yet, but they will. So using a pre-emerge now can certainly help, you know, prevent a lot of that. So mm-hmm. you don't have as many weeds to pull come spring of the year. You can do the same thing, you know, in your lawn. Uh, if if you haven't done any overseeding into your cool season turf grass, then you can apply a, a pre-emergent herbicide, just like you would in the spring of the year for crab to help prevent crabgrass. You can apply that pre-emerge uh, in the fall of the year to help prevent the winter annuals, the chickweed, the henbit, and so on that is they're they're so prevalent uh, uh, in in home lawns. You know that are so visible come spring year well those things germinate now they germinate yeah, yeah. in the fall of the year so if you if you haven't done overseeding if you're not going to overseed and you know if you haven't done it yet you probably wait about too long to do it it's getting kind of late uh, in the fall to do that but uh, using the pre-emerge now can certainly help prevent uh, a lot of those winter annual weed populations from showing up we have a text here from a listener it says they were listening last week and they uh, were interested in some of the conversation about the folklore forecast. And they missed Dwayne Trail doing it. They were out in their car and didn't have time to call while we were on the air. And they said they counted the fogs in August, which, as everybody realizes, uh, it's facts that that determines how many snows you have in the winter. Is that right, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yes, Yes. scientifically proven. Bank on it, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Six of those is what they counted, what they charted on their calendar. So six, that's that's a, six snows. Now we don't know. Don't know uh, how deep. We don't know is. what the accumulation will be on those. No. but uh, yeah, I mean it's you know, can't, I, I didn't hear the, I didn't hear the forecast. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what the the, the forecast was. I'm not sure that was. the forecast is going to be that accurate but, uh, for the uh, rest of the winter. <laughs> it's always good, to, I guess, uh, to uh, to speculate on those kind. Of, yeah. It gives you something to talk about. But no, the the number of fogs. Uh, uh, in in august uh, uh you know there 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 is said to be by some a correlation between those and the number of snow right. they have during during the course and of the then winter. the woolly worms uh, how dark they are yeah the how much how much dark color versus you know black versus the brown or red color uh you know indicates darker is uh, more severe darker. yeah Winter. i saw i saw a post last night about uh, persimmon seeds you know yeah the forks oh, and knives right. and the, the spoons so uh uh and and so they had uh, the pictures, uh, and they had this this bunch of seeds, and you could kind of see the shape of a spoon on the mm-hmm. seed, and a few of them over here with, with forks, and then uh, uh, by far the greatest number uh, had spoons, Uh-oh. and then the second greatest <laughs> number were, were knives, and then the third was forks. So the spoons mean, oh man, that equates to snow shovels, you know, shoveling out snow, and knives, uh, cold cutting winds it cuts through you like a knife, and I think the uh, you know the forks indicate going to be great we'll sit around eating cake and ice cream or something it's going to be such a great winter so they were saying okay based on this it's going to be a cold winter snows with you know cold winds and so on we'll know more about it come probably april i guess 
And so we need to go out and get some chains and snow tires. Oh, buy you know get get a snow shovel if you don't have one, and get some ice melt to have on. And it's not a bad idea to have right. some ice melt on hand anyway, because folks can sure, you know, step down off of a, off the porch onto a oh, slick yes. step and wind wind up in the emergency room in a hurry. So it's a good idea to have that stuff on hand anyway. I have never landed up in the emergency room because of that, but I have certainly fall oh, uh, yeah. fallen several times, and it it hurts. Well, it does hurt, and you know. It can provide entertainment if folks are watching, I guess, but that's a tough way to do it. That's a they don't know to whether do to laugh or cry. Well, sometimes, you know, one will be crying and the other's laughing. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're going to pause for just a moment. We'll be back. Continue the conversation. Mitchell Motes with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. Have you seen any of those black woolly worms? Or were they reddish colored uh, let's let's cross our fingers for the the lighter colors the dark ones mean heavy winter and have you opened up persimmons what did you find we'll be right back Dave Ramsey, America's most trusted money expert. The Dave Ramsey Show, live each day from 1 to 4 on WGNS Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Does being a caregiver for your loved one wear you out? then Arosa Care is here to help. Arosa has an experienced team of caregivers and licensed care managers who help families make educated decisions regarding the aging process. This is Erin Keogh Rankin. Let me help you. Call us at 615-848-6774 or find us at arosacare.com. Life changes, then it changes again. Hi, I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor Lee Colvin. A job loss, change in health, or loss of a loved one can have a big impact on your family's financial security. Let's work together to help make sure that you're equipped for life's unexpected events. Stop by our office in the Public Shopping Center on South Rutherford Boulevard or give us a call at 615-907-7056 for an appointment. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. One of the places I love to eat out the most and still be able to do so and maintain a healthy weight is at Demas's. You can get those options on the menu online at www.demasrestaurants.com. You can make the decisions that you want to make before you come in. We have options ranging from grilled chicken to fish. You can get it with a side of green beans or spinach or even zucchini. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner at Demas's. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10. WGNS, your good neighbor station. Rutherford County's place to talk. Good morning, THP out here running quite a bit of radar. Last time we saw him was 24 around Medical Center Parkway. Traffic's still busy over in Williamson County, 840 westbound, right before you get to I-65. It looked like they had a wreck over there a little bit earlier. Ober Gatlinburg Restaurant and Lounge celebrating Oktoberfest. It's gorgeous up there right now with the fall colors. Check it out at obergatlinburg.com. I'm Commander Chuck, your on-time traffic. Mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-60s. Southwest winds are on 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 37. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 29. 
This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. This is MTSU President Sidney McPhee. You're listening to WGNS, your local connection to Blue Raider Atlanta. WGNS AM, FM, online. Welcome back. Mitchell Motes with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. If you have a question, give us a shout. 615-893-1450. And uh, the leaves are starting to fall. Uh, some trees more so than others. Yeah. And the colors, uh, some of these trees are beautiful. They are. Uh, I- Monday, uh, I had to travel to Knoxville, and uh, oh, I bet that was something. You know, along the plateau, uh, you get along Crossville and up through Crab Orchard, uh, 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 up through there. My gosh, the colors were just so vibrant. It was very pretty. That was a a, a very just you know, it was it was a, a calendar picture quality. I think I, I I don't know where you could find any that looked any better than those. The, the hills uh, just you know they were just were uh, uh, painted up with the the, the orange and the reds and the in uh, uh, in the yellows and just on the side of the road just just very vibrant and, and they and for whatever reason you know they maybe weren't as uh, colorful uh, you know on the east side of the plateau or the west side of the plateau but boy they're right there on the plateau right and, and they were pretty colors all along the way but it was just just such a, a, a mass of just that, that whole stretch along the plateau that along whole Interstate area 40. is always beautiful yeah and I mean here you know a lot of the a lot of the sugar maples are are just really pretty mm-hmm. uh, sugar maples are the red maples are showing up color some are pretty bare now you know they already shed leaves but others are just starting to turn and so that brings up i Please. mean it's a great time of the year and, <laughs> and they're pretty and that's why we have trees uh, or one of the reasons we have trees i guess is because of of uh, the potential uh, uh, color show they put on in the fall of the year but when that shows over those leaves fall off and they're going to accumulate out on the on the ground and you know sometimes you have to do something about those but no back up some people choose to do something about those. I mean, you don't have to, I guess. You can leave them there if you want to. I mean, they're yours, right? Uh, you, you planted the tree, it, it, or, or sometimes they blow it from the neighbor's yard. But if if your goal is to maintain, uh, you know, a good population of turf grass, uh, you don't want to leave that thick layer of leaves out there too long because when the layer uh, gets to be sufficient enough that it, that it excludes sunlight, that it blocks out sunlight, then it becomes a detriment to the grass itself because that grass has got to, uh, you don't have access to sunlight in order for photosynthesis to take place. So then you have to do something about the leaves. Uh, and, and plus, you know, it, it takes, as they accumulate in the, in the flower beds, in the mulch beds, uh, it takes away from the appearance, uh, well, it affects the appearance of those. And so a lot of folks uh, will want get those cleaned out um do you have to do you have to rake leaves up you know and bag them up uh, uh and have them you know have the city pick them up if you live in town and so on no you don't have to uh just just chopping those leaves up uh with a lawnmower 
uh, into to very fine pieces uh, is really if, if you can do that that's a good way to deal with them because number one you don't have to you know that's it you just chop them up you leave them laying out there uh, on, on the lawn area itself uh, gives those leaves uh, uh, you don't have to worry about bagging them up or, or anybody else come along picking them do anything with them and in your you know you're recycling those leaves you're, you're doing uh, uh, in essence you're speeding up the, the natural decomposition the natural composting process and that just adds that organic matter that's present in those leaves back into the soil itself but you chop them up into fine pieces like that then it's not an issue with them blocking out sunlight anymore it's not an issue with them you know matting uh, uh, causing a thick layer and cause that grass to mat down uh, and create an environment that you know maybe a late disease might want to pop up in there because it stays dark and damp uh, under that leaf covering but uh, uh, chopping them up like that will help those leaves to break down a good bit faster and it will cause uh, uh, you know it, it will return that organic matter back to the soil uh, it's also a way to recycle the nutrients you know the, the all, all those leaves have got some little bit of nutrition in them uh, because of the the nutrients they have pulled out of the soil while they were growing there's still some retained in there not a lot but not a heavy load of nutrients but it is going to return those back uh, you know into the soil itself so you're better off leaving them after you've mulched them well i mean that the, i mean that's that's kind of like the, the the perfect scenario because you don't have the the additional uh, uh task of okay if so if i rake them up am i going to put them in bags or am i going to you know i'm going to put them in a pile out here and then and then somebody else has got to come along and deal with it whether it's you know the, the city street department that's going to be picking those up uh or and they're doing that they, they, they are doing that um then you could certainly you know you you could rake them put them in a compost pile there's nothing wrong with that you know compost them at home sure that's that that's fine that's a good way to deal with them also but uh, uh if you're going to be mowing grass anyway which if you have a cool season lawn you know tall fescue bluegrass etc those kind of things and yeah you're still mowing the yard now so so you're going to be cutting you're going to be chopping them up anyway so soon we'll chop them up good and leave them laying out there and just let them recycle naturally that just be sure you chop thing. it enough to see the grass. Oh, yeah. You want to be able to see the grass through there. Not <laughs> not just a layer of you know brown sprinkles on top. Yeah, yeah, for now, sure. What about uh, fall fertilization? Should you be doing that? And if so, what's the best approach to cool, doing it? Cool season grasses, you know, your tall fescue, bluegrass combinations, uh, fine fescue, so on. Yeah, they certainly benefit from uh, fall applications of fertilizer. And... You know, if I would encourage folks to 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 make their fertilization program uh, or or to pattern it based on the results of a soil test, because you know a soil test is going to tell you uh, uh, the 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 available levels of phosphorus and potassium, et cetera, those other nutrients that are essential to plant growth, uh, what you already have in the soil, and so that'll help you make a better you know decision as to what to put out there. There's no point of applying. You know, phosphorus, for example, if you have adequate phosphorus to meet the plant's needs there. I mean, that's, that's a waste of resource. That's a waste of money to do that. Uh, and, you know, potentially, uh, if you are over-applying nutrients, then there's more potential there for uh, some of that excess nutrient to wind up in the in the water somewhere uh, because uh, uh, you know it can wind up in a stream and cause uh, excessive you know aquatic vegetation growth and then that starts throwing the uh, the the 
the, the ecosystem off uh, uh, there in in the creek or in the stream or in the, in the river, etc. So uh, we certainly encourage folks to 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 make their uh, uh, fertilization program to base it on the results of a soil test. And you know, a, a soil test comes from a soil sample. This is a fine time of year to pull a soil sample uh, if you want to sample uh, the, the soil in your lawn area. You know, get something to dig with uh, uh, in a bucket to put the soil in start over in one corner of the yard you want to sample the top six inches of soil uh, start in that one corner take a, a six inch deep sample out drop it up take the grass off the top of it you know any plant debris etc uh, out of there drop the soil over in the bucket and it's kind of in a zigzag pattern you go all across the lawn here kind of a walking dubby back and forth back and forth zigzag and go to 10 12 spots in that lawn area do the same thing each time take that six inch deep sample mix all it up create a composite of the area that you're going to manage as a lawn you're going to manage it as a unit uh, out of that you're going to need about a cup and a half of soil you can package that up you can bring it to the extension service office uh, the ladies there at the front desk can help you get it uh, uh, processed uh, and get it sent off to the lab for you or you know you can package it up you can go to the uh, ut soil plant and pest center website uh, print off the forms there uh, uh, fill them out uh, hand deliver it to the lab yourself you know you can you can mail it to the lab yourself uh, any way you want to do that so you've got some options there but then you know once you get your soil test report back it's going to tell you what's in the ground and then it's going to uh, based on that it's going to make recommendations uh, as to uh, uh, what to apply in terms of fertilizer and how much you know when to do it so for the cool season grasses like the tall fescue and the Kentucky bluegrass and whatnot uh, fall September October mm -hmm. is a good time because they can certainly take uh, they can certainly use those nutrients now uh, you know nitrogen phosphorus and potassium if if they're all needed uh, the, the P and the K can certainly you know, the phosphorus and potassium can certainly help with uh, uh, root development root growth especially on newly seeded grasses if you did overseeding uh, on your tall fescue lawn now you've got uh, it and you you've irrigated it so you've got uh, a good germination out there so you've got young grass plants they will benefit uh, uh, if, if there's not enough in the ground already with the application of phosphorus to help those plants grow and develop. Uh, it will certainly, um, uh, root growth will take place even uh, down to temperatures approaching freezing. You know, like, you know, this morning, uh, what was it, 32, 30 degrees, something like that, 28, 29, 30. Uh, root growth will still occur uh, uh, at, at temperatures down near freezing on those cool season grasses. So fall is an excellent time. Uh, for uh, the application of those fertilizers uh, to help that grass you know develop so that it does have some maturity a good uh, the best possible root system uh, uh, so that it will be better able to withstand this the heat stresses of the coming year and you know here we're talking about cool season grasses if you have warm season grass Bermuda grass soysia grass then you know you probably should have finished up your fertilization program on those around the early part of September because we you know the idea is you want to fertilize grasses when they can utilize the fertilizer the nutrients in the fertilizer they can utilize them when they're growing so the warm season grasses Bermuda grass soya grass you know you're looking at April you know June July early September those are the kind of months when you would think about applying those fertilizers because that's when they can best utilize it the warm season grasses now it's frosted enough you have Bermuda grass is turning brown it's going dormant so as your grass is is beginning to go dormant it, it it's it 
it hangs on a bit longer than Bermuda grass does, uh, but those grasses are, are, are going to sleep now. You know, they're not dying. They're going dormant. They're not dead. Uh, and, and the application of fertilizer to them now would not be as beneficial as mm-hmm. it would be the cool season grass because they're not growing. So I wouldn't, you know, suggest to you that you do your fertilization on those grasses now. But instead, you know, if you've got your soil test, and it's going to suggest to you that you start that fertilization process, you know, maybe beginning next April. Here's a listener has a question. They say, what's the best way to put those down? Should you broadcast them over the ground or should you actually try to get them into the soil? No, you know, when we're talking about fertilizing lawns, we're we're talking about a top dress application where you are broadcasting them over the surface of the ground. Now, if you can do it in front of a a, a moderate rain event, that's good uh, because that will certainly help move it down into the upper soil surface. Uh, If... uh, you know, if if there's not any rain in the forecast, uh, then if you have the ability to irrigate, then, then that would be, you know, advisable to do that. Uh, but, uh, yes, just broadcasting over the surface of the ground is, is, is adequate, and that's the, the majority of the fertilizers on turf are applied that way. Okay, and, and you need to do the fo- soil sample first to know how much and what types to put down yeah because you know it, otherwise you're guessing and and so if somebody's listening now and says well i haven't had a soil test and i don't know what to put out there and i don't you know i'm not going to get it done in time uh, to get results back so what should i do so so without knowing you know without knowing then uh, I would I would suggest that you use a, a what would be kind of a moderate uh, 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 analysis of a complete fertilizer, and a complete fertilizer is one that contains uh, all three of the primary nutrients: nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Uh, 10, 10, 10, for example, is a, a a complete fertilizer. Triple 13, 13, 13, 13. That's a complete fertilizer. And, you know, so, so in the, those numbers represent percentages. Uh, the first number is nitrogen, the middle number is pota- or phosphorus, and the mm-hmm. third number is potassium. And th- there are percentages of those. So if it's a 10-10-10, it's 10% nitrogen, 10% phosphorus, 10% potassium. So... Do you uh, need to apply that more than once a year? Well, oh, it depends on what your goals are. But, but yeah, if your goal is to have a, uh, you know, a pretty high-quality turf, then, yeah. Uh, on cool-season grasses, you're looking at four to five times a year. Uh, same thing is true uh, on the warm-season grasses, again, four to five times a year. Uh, your, your, the availability of irrigation can influence that, you know, whether you do it that often or not. Uh, and, and then, you know, what your goals are. Uh, in terms of appearance some folks may uh you know choose to do it twice a year and, and that's okay that if, if if that allows them to meet their their goal you know what what their uh, uh their their desired result is and then that's perfectly fine mm-hmm. but uh it is i was saying if you if you don't have a soil test and you want to you know you say well darn the grass it needs to grow a little better you know it needs a better color and so on uh and want to put that fertilizer out but i have not had a soil test what could uh, uh, what would I suggest? And as I was saying, you know, I suggest that complete fertilizer that's got all three of the primary nutrients: nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Something like ten, 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 uh, or, or triple thirteen, for example. So, uh, ten pounds uh, of ten, ten, ten fertilizer will yield a pound of each of those nutrients out there. And and so that would be you know roughly the amount to apply per thousand square feet of yard space. So if you've got a you know a ten thousand square foot yard, ten pounds of ten 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 fertilizer for every thousand square feet takes a hundred pounds to cover it. 
Okay, 10 times 10 is 100. So 10 pounds per, per every 1,000 square feet, you've got 10,000 square feet. So it'd take 100 pounds of fertilizer, 250-pound bags to do it. If you're using triple 13, it doesn't take as much because it's a little higher percentage. So you're probably talking more like uh, 7.5 pounds of triple 13 per 1,000 square feet to yield the same level of nutrient there. So it would take a little bit less fertilizer. Here's another question from a listener. They're saying that they had a soil test done about five years ago. They've been using it because it's so thorough. Uh, they've been using it, and it's helped quite a bit. How long are the soil tests beneficial? If you uh, recycle your clippings, uh, when you mow the grass and you just return those clippings to the ground, uh, you know, five years, six years, somewhere along so in there, is there you know, it, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have it done again. Uh, if, you, uh, if you bag clippings and you don't allow them to be returned to the soil surface and to be recycled, then probably about every three years would be a, a better schedule to soil test. But if you are uh, putting the clippings back out there, you know, three, uh, five years, six years, somewhere along in there, and you, that, that's, that's not a bad schedule to be on. Okay. 615-893-1450. We're going to pause for just a moment. We will be back and continue the conversation about lawns and gardens. Mitchell Motes with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. Stay with us. Don't throw away old flags. WGNS retires old glory with respect. Bring those tattered Bibles here too. We're more than talk. Hello, this is Amanda from Animal City inviting your family to come do business with my family. Don't let your dog be bored this fall. Come see us at Animal City for some of the best toys to keep them entertained and engaged. Come see us at Animal City and let our 32 years experience benefit you and your pets. Come check out our selection here at Animal City. We have freshwater, saltwater, corals, and more. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. If you're looking for that perfect wedding gift, baby gift, housewarming, of course you want to decorate for the holidays, please come see us. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come and shop with us for all your farm and home needs. We have what you need for your home and your lawn, garden, farm. We also have a great selection of clothing and great gift ideas. Please come see us. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. We're located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-60s. Southwest winds are on 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 37. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 29. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, Online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. Welcome back. Just a few minutes left in our program, so if you have a lawn or garden question, don't dilly-dally on this one. You need to jump in there quickly. 615-893-1450. 
I would hate to see people dilly-dallying anyway. I mean, there's nothing. I, I don't know that y'all do that in public. No, I don't think so. Nope. 615-893-1450. A listener's asking, at the farmer's markets, uh, are they still offering plants and shrubs for sale? And can you still plant shrubs and things of that this time of the year? Well, so the last time I was by the market, yes, uh, some vendors or, or some growers did have uh, uh, plants for sale. Are, are they going to be there Friday? I don't know. <laughs> they are an independent lot. Uh, so so uh, the best way to know that, I guess, is to check them out. But uh, I would expect that they will be there. Now, it, the second part, is this a fine, is this a good, an appropriate time to plant? Uh, woody ornamentals, yes. Uh, uh, shrubbery uh, fall is a, is a great time to do that in most instances um, be, because uh, you're not worried so much about above ground growth uh, as you are uh, on a newly uh, uh, transplanted plant a newly set out plant uh, you want that root development to take place and and the lack of above ground growth uh, during the, the cooler months of the winter uh, coupled with uh, uh, the continuation of root growth uh, down in the soil even at cooler temperatures helps to set that plant up you know to get it started on the right path to establishment before you get into the stresses of uh, uh, of the coming summer and you know, typically the the, the moisture levels are, are more consistent uh, or more plentiful in the fall of the year. Now, it has been dry here since probably the second week of September, so, you know, you, you never know what the weather's going to be. But uh, if you set them out and you, and you water them on a regular basis, you know, a newly set out uh, shrub, you're probably talking about watering three to four times a week uh, as they start that establishment process. But yes, fall is, is a good time uh, for, for, you know, young trees, young shrubs, uh, for the most of those to go out. Okay. Uh, it's probably too soon to be putting in uh, your living Christmas tree, obviously, uh, but people are still thinking about living Christmas yeah, trees. Yeah, if, if the idea is to, you know, to choose a Christmas tree uh, that uh, uh, you want to you decorate it for Christmas and then put it in the landscape after the fact, sure, uh, you know, start, start shopping around, find out where you can purchase those. Um, you know, uh, uh, there, there are probably more available uh, as cut trees uh, where you go cut them, you know, off a, off a local Christmas tree farm uh, or, or from one of the, you, you buy one that's already pre-cut from one of the sales yards. But uh, uh, there are going to be uh, nurseries that will uh, sell, you know, like the bald and burlap. Uh, 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 conifers, evergreens that are suitable for uh, for those living trees that can be put in the landscape after the fact. You know, the, probably the key to that is you, you you keep them in the house just the minimum amount of time <laughs> acceptable. Uh, they they a don't, week or less. Or? A week, uh, you know, a week is probably ideal. Uh, in, in a perfect world, you know, maybe in a perfect world, you put it outside and decorate it, <laughs> go stand around the tree, uh, but uh, uh, and don't bring it in the house in the first place. But uh, that's not the way we do things, and so the, the you know minimize the amount of time it stays inside. And you know if it does, it needs to acclimate to in into the house, and needs to acclimate back out of the house. Or so you have to go through a process there uh, when you because I mean that's a big change. You know, if the thing's sitting outside and it's you know, you get freezing temperatures at night, you bring it in the house where probably you're 
at least twice as warm in the evening sure, sure. Uh, as you are outside. That's a big difference. So it's good to you know to take it from a, uh, from from the outdoor environment uh, as you're getting ready to transition into the house, maybe into a, an unheated covered protected space like an unheated garage or a shed uh it's going to be probably a bit warmer in there but you are starting to transition and starting to acclimate so it's a little bit warmer than it was before uh and, and then when you bring it into the house itself you know you, you let it stay there in that uh, 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 transitional space for a little while i don't know how, i don't know what the right answer is i don't know that it's, it's set in stone but you know probably 48 72 hours something like that and then uh, you, you move it into the to the, to the home, uh, and and you know keep the temperature down a little bit in there, sure, uh, where, sure. where the tree is. And then conversely, when you when you're ready to move it back outside, just do that the same reverse. Take it back from the home itself into the transitional space, uh, and, and then take it outside and put it in the ground as soon as you can. And if you have a tradition of putting out those trees uh, after several years, uh, that's got to bring back some memories sure whenever you see them. Sure. It will no. and, and 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 but when you when you get ready to set them out okay yeah. you think well i'm going to build myself a screen a living screen here with mm-hmm. these trees make sure you leave enough space between each tree don't plant them too close together because you're just crowding them up you're creating competition they don't need uh give the tree you know give it give it enough space so that it can achieve its mature height without being in competition with its neighbor and i guess too if you have not done this before you may not know what type of tree works best in this area uh, might be difficult to find one that somebody sells you that wouldn't be good, but I bet there's one out there. Oh yeah, <laughs> you can find some. Yeah, you you can find some. Uh, so, you know that's it, it. It doesn't hurt now to start looking around, uh, finding those those places. Uh, uh, Pick Tennessee Products uh, website mm-hmm. there is a good oh, place yeah. to look okay. for uh, uh, growers uh, of, uh, uh, of of various plant materials, uh, and, and Christmas trees is one of those. Uh, but that's that's maintained by the Tennessee Department of Agriculture, where local growers you know can can say, yep, we're uh, we're a, 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 a pick your own Christmas tree farm or mm-hmm. cut your own Christmas tree farm or we're selling live Christmas trees, etc. And like we have. That some of those here in Rutherford there, there are some yeah. there are some uh, Christmas tree farms here a couple uh, and then also in surrounding adjacent counties now what about the master we have got about a minute left master, master gardeners, gardeners applications yeah. for the 2023 year are open now uh, they are available uh, you can pick one up uh, at the extension service office you can also find that application online at the rutherford county extension uh, service webpage. you know just google rutherford county extension and you'll uh, get to our web page and uh, uh, just follow the tabs there at the top you know for uh, uh, agriculture horticulture programs and you'll be able to find uh, the master gardener application so you can get that submitted but that uh, uh, the 2023 training course will start uh, I believe it's in mid late January of 2023 when applications are being uh, the, the period to apply is open now and a word to the wise they fill up fast well it, it there's a limited amount of space yeah it's not unlimited space Very good. Mitchell, we do thank you for joining us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Mitchell Moat from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service visiting today. Don't forget Farmer's Market in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning until noon at the Lane Agri-Park. And then another Farmer's Market on the Murfreesboro Square, Saturday from 8 until noon. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.